politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, and to fight for what is just and what actually matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. That's a tall order, but if that is what you're striving for, this is your only source of truly independent conservative news, views, strategies, and vision. Daniel Horowitz back here today. The 8th of December, it is Thursday, and folks, it is a tall order. We're going to have to step out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to make ourselves ungovernable. Ungovernable. It's not just about elections. I'm actually glad that people don't have faith in elections anymore because they didn't matter anyway. It's you have to fight on the actual issues, and especially, as we keep saying, if you're in a red state, You need to point out every time you have a Republican governor where his administration is doing something wrong. You have to organize a group of people. I'm telling you, it doesn't take much. A group of 10 to 20 people, and you're very specific, very articulate, very on point. It makes a difference, much more so than 10 people voting. You focus on the legislative session. You focus on what needs to happen. You raise awareness. You bring that pressure to bear. This is what we haven't been doing because we're brainwashed into thinking, oh, the Democrats are the problem. So in half the states Republicans control, we're just, you know, yeah, just not paying attention. And then meanwhile, even the worst elements of COVID fascism are still occurring in red states. And then there's other trends that are related to the biomedical tyranny state and and really just other problems in general that haven't been uprooted and sometimes haven't been dealt with at all in red states. You know, we talked about yesterday a little bit this case of the Fredericksburg, Virginia restaurant owner. He's going to join us soon, who is still being raided by the relevant agency there in Virginia for not having listened to the lockdown a year into Glenn Youngkin's governance. And I, I said yesterday, the you know, the pressure helped and he put out a statement, um, but it turns out that Eh, you know, the guy's not off the hook. He'll review these cases, didn't pardon them yet. So I gave him too much credit. And we're going to have Matt Strickland on coming up, but the point is, the pressure is starting to help. But if you have a Republican governor, a Republican legislature, don't carry water. Hold their feet to the fire. Fire, not water. We're not Republicans. We don't owe them anything. They owe us stuff. We don't work for them. They work for us. We don't need them. They need us. They need our votes, but they need our support. And I'm sick of people caring about, oh, Glenn Youngkin, he's the next coming. Oh, my gosh, he should run for president. Whoa, there's a lot more he can and should be doing. This needs to be our focus and where our sphere of influence is. And look, I understand. I understand where it comes from. Our people are not naturally street fighters. We're not community organizers, as Barack Obama said. We don't get involved in this stuff. We just want to live our lives, our family, our our faith. And that's why naturally our voters are more inclined to just obsess about elections. All we want is once a year you show up for a half an hour, whatever it is, you wait in line, you vote, and thinking that that matters. I would just want to vote Republican, and then the Republicans will defeat the Democrats, and we'll live happily ever after. 
If that describes most of your Republican friends, then you're in the same boat as me. But as we well know, the Republican Party is perfidious, except there's one difference. There's only one difference between the two parties in that the, the voters that Republicans really want will never vote for them, so they need us. So we have to use that clout. We have to use that clout. And by the way, I'm, I'm writing an outline that will either be published tomorrow or next week, an outline for this middle ground between immediately starting a new party versus holding them accountable in multiple different ways. I've said it before, but I'm going to put pen to paper. But this is what ultimately needs to happen. And that's what this story in Virginia shows. Even something as radical, destructive, unconstitutional, illogical, immoral as COVID fascism, it's still going on because Republicans still, they're like three years behind, don't quite mandate it in the military. Well, we're well beyond that. And I want to share three stories with you that loosely tie in together before we bring on Matt as the fourth story that we already talked about. But Duke University in North Carolina, I know they have a Democrat governor, but they have close to super majorities in the legislature. And it's broadly considered a red state. And Republicans have not been fighting COVID fascism enough in the legislative sessions. And if they would have, I think they would have had better results in the election as well. But Yulia Hicks, 14-year-old adopted Ukrainian girl to uh, adopted parents Chrissy and Lee Hicks. He adopted her last year. She suffers from senior Loken syndrome. Uh, basically, it's a genetic condition destroying her kidneys. She needs a kidney transplant. Duke University refused to give her a transplant without the COVID shot, even though she already had COVID. And even though the shot is a death shot, negative efficacy erases your natural immunity. Even if it did work, it doesn't work on immunocompromised. And, uh, and it's literally causing organ rejection. In other words, they should actually ban organs from having the spike protein. The most immoral, illogical, dangerous thing imaginable. And yet, this is what's going on. And it's still going on to an extent in most red states, including ones where there is a Republican governor. How much has the legislative leadership there worked on trying to call a special session to deal with this? When they were in regular session this previous year, how many tried to deal with this? I mean, these are civilization-killing issues. Every red state, you have abortion. Oh my gosh, we're going to ban abortion. But this is something you can't avoid. Like I said, however strongly you feel about banning abortion, you should feel a million times stronger about banning this because this is something that you cannot avoid. If you need a job, if you need a kidney transplant, and even if you don't, you know, they announced that they're going to fast track for seniors the RSV shot. They hope to get Pfizer's RSV shot out next year. That is the worst candidate for a vaccine. That's going to be a death shot. That's the original case study of antibody-dependent disease enhancement and uh, original antigenic sin, meaning where it creates a misfiring antibody response to make you more prone to RSV and deadly outcomes from it and other respiratory viruses, among God knows how many other problems you're going to have with it, whether it has the same as COVID with the spike protein or different, but you will have problems. So seniors are going to rightfully fear it and get it. Okay, including Republican voters. What is our plan to stop that now? 
Oh, well, it's not quite a mandate, Daniel. Well, abortion's not a mandate either. But if we're pro-life, we fought it. This is, this is all the more so because there's no informed consent and people think every doctor, every medical system is saying you need to get this. They're all a bunch of Joseph Mengele's. <clears throat> so that's the thing. We need ironclad bills making criminal penalties against discriminating with kidney transplants. We need ironclad red states banning mRNA shots until certain benchmarks are met and, and requiring an extra layer of oversight of the state to sign off on a shot that's new. Any new shot's going to be suspect. So there's that. Then there's another case I want to go into in Tennessee. The Tennessee legislature, it's been doing a better job. I think that's one of the top states to look for. There's a good speaker there. They've done good things, and they banned the Department of Health from marketing the shots to children. Right? They caught the guy doing it, or it was I think it was a woman, the health director. She was forced to resign. So our buddies at Tennessee Stands, Gary Humble, we've had him on the show before, has an article out at Tennessee Stands on this that basically they found that in contravention to um, the state law on May 2nd, 2022, Knox News reports the state awarded the UT College of Nursing a $5.5 million grant to specifically promote immunization among children and older adults. The program comes nearly a year after the Tennessee Department of Health halted all adolescent vaccine outreach following pressure from Republican state lawmakers. So <clears throat> the point is, <clears throat> here, in this case, the legislature did its job. The problem is Governor Bill Lee, whom all my colleagues thinks is a big conservative, this is the same guy that said we can't open the jail doors quickly enough to let out criminals. He's a pro-criminal nut leftist taking a major red trending supermajority state running it into the ground bill lee you're right, the tennessee department of health works for him that's his administration awarding grants of these left-wing ngos promoting i mean if anything in a red state the university system should be promoting our way of thinking not just neutral even and uh Basically, he notes, it's a long piece here. Now in 2022, the Tennessee Department of Health has awarded $5.5 million to, to UT to run a program that pays registered nurses almost 73000 a year to survey communities and formulate a plan on how to convince them to get the shots. On November 10th, 2022, a task force meeting was held by the Tennessee Department of Health where the Smart Shots program was introduced Smart Shots is an app seemingly developed for the purpose of increasing vaccination rates among young children. So there's another way they're doing it. What I found incredibly interesting is that listed as part of this program is Dr. Zhuping Li, a professor in the Department of Industrial and Systems Engineering with UTK. Dr. Li is a graduate of the, of the premier Chinese state-sponsored Nankai University. And Nankai was part of the 985 project started in 1998 by the CHICOMs for the express purpose of building a better reputation for CCP. The program's intent was also to create pathways for graduates like Dr. Lee to be placed abroad at other institutions. That's what they do. They seed their subversive people in other institutions. 
Um, and then he also says a person with the same name, Zheping Li, associated with Nankai University, was part of a study published in the Journal of Virology in December 2019, right before COVID became public, that studied viral replication connected to coronaviruses. As we reported last year, Billy's office spent upwards of $10 million on slick marketing and TV ads to convince you to wear masks and how effective they were. So the point is, this is what you have. And this is when I say you need to get involved in the legislative session. It's not just the legislatures, but call the governor, call their offices, write, create local blogs, shaming, naming these people. Make it yourself ungovernable. Make it that you cannot pop your head out just like you can't be pro-abortion and pro-gun control in the red states. We need that to apply to medical freedom and the vaccine tyranny. So that's the second story. And before the third one, first, our sponsor to today is I'm going to get you hooked on the best gear you never knew you wanted. A lot of people are asking, hey, what do you do now with prepping, prepping for the apocalypse, the, the arsoning of medicine, food, fuel, everything? So BattleBox, they make brand name, um, they sell brand named quality outdoor survival gear everyday gear that is just amazing, amazing name brand, high quality products every month could be shipped to you at half the price if you sign up for their monthly battle boxes. I love the, uh, they have this magnetic flashlight that you could you could just put on anything. We sometimes put on our car if it's at night outdoors you need it. Um, I'm, I'm grilling outdoors and the light outside of our deck is broken now so I put it on. My kids are forever stealing my toys, but from their Aquapod emergency water kit to their atomic uh, bear survival bivy, they have a great outdoor stove as well, delivered right to your doorstep each month. BattleBox has shipped over 1 million boxes since 2015. They're featured all over Survivor's Edge, New York Times. Find out why outdoor enthusiasts call BattleBox the best gear I never knew I wanted. So sign up, receive, survive today. Um, at our special special offer at trybattlebox.com slash conservative. By signing up for their monthly boxes now, you get a free mystery box worth $115 with a new subscription. So $115 worth of free gear by signing up for their monthly boxes at trybattlebox.com slash conservative. Again, mystery box worth $115 at trybattlebox.com slash conservative. So the final story here, of all places, they did a good job on this. The Washington Post, Caitlin Gibson, good article. Medical kidnapping. And this story really brings everything all together. What we're up against with the fusion between the broken, disgusting, Karen-run medical facilities and hospitals, parental rights, human rights, the promise of red states, but the elusive achievement of freedom in a red state if we don't work to make it happen. Now, this starts out in the blue state of Massachusetts. Again, if they could control your life, liberty, property, if they can control, if they can make that you have to, you don't have control over your breathing holes, obviously they can control your children, and we're seeing this broader trend. The baby woke up wailing just after 2 a.m. And the moment Sarah Perkins lifted her 14-week-old son, Cal, into her arms, she knew he had fever. 
His temperature was over 103. Um, so she um, she brought they're in Waltham, Massachusetts. Pre-dawn hours brought her to the hospital. Doctor doctors ordered an X-ray to check Cow's lungs, and the imaging revealed a healed fracture on Cow's rib cage, several weeks old, about the size of a thumbprint. The injury was determined to be the result of non-accidental trauma, meaning they suspected them of doing it to the kid. Just by looking at an x-ray, a social worker visited the hospital room where Perkins was anxiously monitoring her feverish infant. The woman's tone was immediately adversarial. We're talking about intentional trauma. How can you explain your child's injury? And they go on to say every year more than 3 million children become the subjects of child protective services investigations. Um... I, I've had I, I forgot the statistic, but almost the overwhelming supermajority of them turn out to be bogus. This is a very big problem. Now, literally overnight, overnight Perkins and Sabie's sons numbered among among them. The months-long saga that followed would inflict a lasting sense of fear, outrage, and trauma heightened by the fact that everything, each parenting cho- choice. Any passing comment, even their body language, felt subject to the scrutiny of the Massachusetts Department of Children and Families. The first days after Cal's injury was discovered, social workers questioned both the parents at length, as well as the three-year-old brother, Clarence. Children were subjected to medical exams. No further concerns were found. DCF workers surveyed Perkins and Sabie's apartment. No concerns were found. On July 14th, Perkins and Cal were sent home from the hospital with a DCF-approved safety plan and a caseworker who stopped by their house the next day was reassuring. So they thought it was over. They stayed up late that night, and then they heard a pounding on their door at 1 a.m., followed by a bellowing voice, Waltham Police. The noise had awakened Josh Stabe, or Sabie's mother, Lisa Sabie, who was staying with them, and they raced to the door. Basically... Um, There were three police officers and two emergency response workers there. They told them that they had new information leading them to believe the children were in danger. And basically this led to a whole story where um, they removed their kids. Uh, They began recording the conversations and everything. It led to a whole legal fight. And it's a very long article, and you should you should read through the whole thing. It's it's very well done. I give this Washington Post writer a lot of credit. And and they went through this entire ordeal. It lasted a very very long time. And it underscores the fact that there's no due process, right? In order to con- to convict someone of a felony, right? You're innocent until proven guilty. You have due process. Here, they could just suspect something, and they could just take your kids away. And taking your kids away is worse than spending, you know, 30 days in prison for most people. But yet, due process is not applied to that. And it was a whole distressing, you know, thing that went on for weeks. Went on for weeks. They had no help, no one to support them. Weeks after the boys came home, there were nights when Perkins would awaken with heart, with her heart racing. Uh, every time nobody was trying to come into our house, they wanted to see if someone's there. They were just traumatized forever. 
the kids regressed and everything destroyed the family. Here's where it gets interesting. The point that I want to bring out for you. For months, investigation overshadowed everything else in their life. The family had long planned to move to Idaho in the fall, where Perkins planned to complete a doctoral dissertation, and the pair would begin work on a new documentary project. Their move was put on hold with no clear timeline. So they planned to move to Idaho. Now, why does Idaho matter? I'm going to bring that in in a second, but I just want to read the closing paragraphs of this uh, article. You know, after their ordeal was over with. So they moved to Idaho. A few days after Thanksgiving, just a couple weeks ago, the family of four arrived at the old farmhouse in rural Idaho where Perkins' mother grew up in a small town surrounded by mountains. Clarence raced to explore the sprawling property and the tractors in the garage with his dad. My hope for this home is just that it's going to be a place where Clarence feels totally at peace and is able to heal a bit, Perkins says. Their first full day there ended with a power adage in town, and the family was home together in the darkness late that evening when they heard a sharp knock at the door. Immediately, Perkins and Sabi were seized by fear, startled by the intensity of their reaction to the sound. It was the first time there had been a nightmare knock at their door since their children were taken away. But this time, it was a neighbor standing outside. He wanted to offer them a gas-powered heater and a, with, and a flashlight, he said. He wanted to make sure they were safe. And I almost, I mean, folks, this is, this is one for the books, where the Washington Post made me tear up. <laughs> but it was very well done. Credit to her for writing, writing this. And it's a beautiful contrast of the Karen dirtbag scum of the earth doctors in a Massachusetts hospital to neighbors in rural Idaho. That we're almost like the pilgrims running away from tyrannical Europe, seeking a new frontier, seeking an America, but half our America is destroyed and we need to reseek it in the half that may be salvageable. But here's the problem. As some of you well know, there's an Epic Times article from a couple months ago. There was a similar story that occurred in Idaho where parents didn't show up for, a, um, for a, an appointment for their baby and somehow not showing up for the appointment because the kid was sick. Police took the baby away. So the point is, the medical system is the same in all 50 states until we change it. There is a huge imminent need in every one of your states when you form these task forces these liberty strike force teams we need a bill to create due process and prevent this from happening in child protected custody to prevent medical kidnapping when you make decisions that they don't like in medicine or politics that that cannot be used as a pretext and then in this case it's a little bit different it wasn't like using ivermectin or something. It was they suspected, uh, you know, uh, child abuse. We need due process laws. Um, a good bill that I want to promote here for you guys is Idaho HB 821 on medical kidnapping. Look it up and use that as an example. Push in your states. But this is a massive action item. In any state, any red state, we need to be pushing this. And we got to be very precise in our language here because it's a very naughty issue. 
but this is a big trend in general. The power of child protective custody, the problem with them taking away kids, but it's particularly a problem with the medical system serving as the catalyst for it. And folks, I want you guys to sign up at conaction.network. We have it back up. Uh, we're only, I'm not even wasting my time with blue states. I'm sorry. It has to be a state where Republicans control the legislature. But if you want to be a member of the team and if you want to be a team leader, sign up, fill out the form. I'm going to try to work on it during the Christmas, New Year's break. So we're ready for next session. Um, this is very easy to do, to focus. And I'm going to put out a list of a checklist of about 20 items on medical freedom sub-items, and then other issues as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a master list of bills that need to be passed. Make sure you have someone in your state introduce it. Agitate for it. Shame those who aren't doing it. Shame the agencies and the governor who's, who's crossing us. This needs to be done. It needs to be done. And with that, I want to get to our special guest today. So the man who sits at the nexus of everything we're talking about today the need to A, become ungovernable to tyranny in our private lives, to say no, we will not accept illogical, illegal, immoral, unconstitutional edicts, but then also at a political level where we don't just sit and say, oh, I'm glad I have a Republican governor, Republican legislature, um, Biden's the only problem, oh, who's running for the next presidential election? No, no, no. If you look carefully, you'll see your own so-called red state as we're talking about all day, and we've been talking about this all year, you have almost all of the same problems on some level that you could easily stamp out if you drew attention to it and brought the pressure on. But if you don't, it will not clean itself. So a man who embodies all of this is our next guest, Matt Strickland. He's the owner of Gourmelt's Restaurant in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He refused to comply with the shutdown order from Governor Northam. But now, even a year into... Uh, you know, Republican Governor Youngkin's tenure, uh, he is still being raided by agencies under the governor, and the governor and the attorney general, general both of whom are uh, Republican, have not really said anything about it. They seem to have issued an order that they're going to review the COVID stuff, um, you know, kind of tacitly in response to this without mentioning Matt's name. But A, why not mention Matt's name? Why not make him a hero? Why not promote him? Why not be on his side? And B, why not vitiate and cancel this altogether and put in structural reforms uh, to make sure this never happens again? I mean, didn't we all agree that it was all pain and no gain? I mean, even Republicans who don't want to discuss the vaccines. I thought the the lockdowns, right? I mean, that was crazy. Everyone agrees that. it's That's unpopular. But yet no one's striking while the iron's hot. While it's still on people's minds, it's no longer supported, it's very unpopular, but it still is going on to some extent, if not the lockdown itself, but the punishment, just like Dr. Henson in Texas is still being punished by the medical board there for not having worn a mask. What what the heck? How does that happen? Well, it happens because we don't have people like Matt. Not only did Matt refuse to comply as a business owner, but then he's like, what the heck? The Republican Party's broken there. Um, now, Virginia, you wouldn't think of it as a red state. It's been blue recently, but it does have a Republican governor who did promise to be, you know, at least somewhat conservative on these things, particularly an issue like this. And that shouldn't matter, you know, that it's not quite like Idaho or Wyoming. What is up with this? So he's actually running 
for state senate. Um, he also has vast experience in combat as a U.S. Army veteran, multiple tours of duty in Iraq. So he's running in Senate District 27. And the important thing here is uh, the the Virginia Senate has funny elections. It's in an off year. It's actually next year. Uh, this coming year, the primary is is coming up soon. And Republicans control the governor, the attorney general, the House. The Senate Democrats have a slim 21 to 18 majority. That could easily flip. But with whom? With what sort of Republicans? Matt is running to be one of those that's going to change the game, and he's with us today. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for joining us for the first time here at Blaze Media. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for having me and, and sharing this important story. It's important that it gets out to the masses for sure. No, absolutely. Like I said, there's two dimensions. There's the kind of private citizen business owner standing up, and then there's the political angle here. So I want to start with the business owner angle. Um, what was shocking to all of us is the compliance. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know everyone saying Trump wants to suspend the Constitution, and everyone's like, "How do you do that? Oh my gosh!" And everyone's kind of going in front of a microphone, putting out an Al Qaeda hostage type of video. Oh, and I denounce this. And look, I mean, he, you know, he often says things that aren't very artful and I think often aren't helpful in the way he expresses them. But put that on, you know, on the shelf for a minute. These guys literally went after life, liberty and property and most people just had no problem with it. You said no. Talk to us about the genesis of the story in early 2020 and the reaction of the state to, to what you did. Well, in early 2020, March of 2020, when COVID first kicked off, like everyone else, I had no idea what this virus was about. I was actually, although I was operating my restaurant, um, we had just gotten it off the ground in 2018. So uh, we're still trying to turn a profit. So I was actually still working as an intelligence analyst for the military. And when they shut my job down um, as an intelligence analyst, they shut the entire skiff down. So it, it, it alerted me to maybe this is something I need to pay attention to. And like everybody else, I had no idea what COVID was about. So I listened to the recommendations of the governor at the time, and I shut my restaurant down. And uh, slowly but surely, I started to realize, wait a minute, <laughs> something's going on here that is more about control than it is our health and safety. And in June of 2020, the governor said, okay, restaurants, you can open up, but under these provisions, and it was at that time that it clicked. Okay, all right, something's going on here that's not right. Doesn't feel right, doesn't look right. This is not right. And, uh, you know, for example, he said, nobody can sit at your bar, but you can pull a table up to the bar and they can sit at that table. And they got to wear a mask when they walk into your restaurant. But as soon as they sit down at the table, they're <laughs> safe. Just arbitrary mandates that just made absolutely no sense. And uh, like you said, I spent majority of my adult life fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan against dictatorships. So the last thing I was going to do was come home to my country and allow a dictatorship to rule here. So wow. I talked to my wife and I said, how do we, you know, how do we fix this? How do we fight back against it? And the only way was by not complying. So we made the conscious decision to operate business as usual. And for that reason, former Governor Northam and the Virginia Department of Health, they suspended my health department license, which in the state of Virginia, your ABC license, your liquor license is tied to your health department license. So as soon as I lost my health department license, I lost my ABC license. Well, we went to court for my health department license first, and, and I beat the state of Virginia in court. Um, I was able to prove these mandates were, in fact, unconstitutional, and they had to give me my health department license back. So next up was the ABC. So we go before the ABC board, 
and we say, hey, ABC, uh, you only took my ABC license because the health department took my health yeah. department license. Yeah. Well, we went to court and we beat them and they had to give it back to me. So now you should in turn have to give me my ABC license. Well, you have to understand that the ABC board is a very liberal ABC board. They were all put in place by Governor Northam. So they wanted to get me from some angle. So what they said was, yeah, it doesn't matter why we took your health department license. It doesn't matter if it was unconstitutional or unlawful. Fact is, we took it and you didn't comply. So we're going to keep it suspended. And uh, and I, I just I did what the only thing that I could do, which was fight back by continuing to operate business as usual. And I continue to sell alcohol and the community nationwide just supported me. The outpouring of support was just out. I mean, it was out of this world. It, it, it gave me hope. It let me know that, hey, I'm not the only one that feels this way. There are a majority of Americans feel the same way I do. They were just waiting for somebody to take a stand so they could get, get behind them and support them. So fast forward to last Friday. Uh, well, first, you know, of, of course, Youngkin, Youngkin won the governorship. Youngkin takes office. And uh, the reason why he won, the main reason is because he ran on the premise that COVID mandates were unconstitutional. And uh, at the time, that was a hot topic. We wanted somebody to come in and make sure our, our, our constitutional rights were not being stripped from us. So we voted for him and we elected him. Now, since he took office almost a year ago, I have been emailing him, calling him, even face to face. I've told him, hey, Governor, I'm still being prosecuted for COVID mandates at my restaurant. I need your help. You ran on the premise that they were unconstitutional. Yep. However, I'm still being prosecuted for them, and now it's under your administration. So I've been trying to get this dealt with uh, behind the scenes because I knew if it ever came to light and it, and it became public that it wouldn't be a good look for him. And I know he's got future political aspirations. So I was in turn trying to help him out to get this solved behind the scenes, but he would not reach back out to me. I didn't hear anything from him until last Friday when his state police and ABC agents came into my restaurant raided my restaurant and took every drop of alcohol from me for not following COVID mandates. For not following COVID mandates. And again, this is important to know. People will say, well, you know, you your license was suspended and your, your crime is selling it without a license. Yeah, but it was suspended because of things we all agree were immoral, unconstitutional, illogical, insane. And, you know, this is a year into his administration and how how is this still going on that and and i suspect this is going on in a lot more red states we talked about some doctors being punished in texas is still going on and and people don't focus on it so a lot of people were very outraged at this and and they tagged the governor attorney general jason uh Mieres on uh, twitter um and then within a day we did see this cryptic statement from the governor that seemed to be addressing this outrage but they didn't mention you saying look we're going to review all fines and punishments and everything and we're going to see this going on so this talk to me a little bit about has anyone to this moment since you were raided anyone in the attorney general's office the governor's office reached out to you and what does this order actually do and not do i have not heard a word from the governor's office or attorney or, or attorney general's office and the executive order that he dropped on Tuesday was um, in direct response to what happened to me last Friday. But the only reason why he dropped that executive order was because nationwide supporters of mine, supporters of the Constitution, were inundating his office with phone calls, emails, social media posts, and he had no choice but to respond in some way. So he dropped this executive order 
that everybody thought was going to remedy my situation. But in fact, this executive order does nothing. All it is is a facade. And I'll sum it up for you real quick. All the all the executive order says is, okay, we're going to compile a list of businesses and individuals that have been prosecuted for COVID mandates. And I want that list presented to the Secretary of Finance by January 15th. And then what's going to happen is the Secretary of Finance is going to review that list and make recommendations to the governor as to what, if any, actions we can take to help these people out. So the only deadline is January 15th. The list has to be to the Secretary of Finance by January 15th. And then he has an undetermined amount of time to review that list and make recommendations to see if there's anything that they can do to remedy all of us small businesses and individuals who have been prosecuted for these COVID mandates. So all this executive order was, it was a piece of paper telling the community, telling the nation, hey, guys, shut up. Stop calling me. Stop calling my office and supporting Matt Strickland. I'm working on something for him. But in fact, he's not. All it is is a, is a silence order is all it is. So it does nothing. This is very, very disturbing because I get the sense, and and I got this a little bit with Dr. Henson's case in Texas, the reason they want to sort it is because there's two types of people. There's people who are punished a certain way, like for, you know, not, you know, let's say they didn't comply. But then there's your level of noncompliance, where despite having it taken away, you still kept serving um, because that they don't want. Oh, no, this we can't. Have. Well, this is the problem we have, this cognitive dissonance. Everyone's like, yeah, lockdowns were horrible. It did this, it did that. That's kind of universal now. Republicans, even Democrats, will kind of admit it. But then their actions don't live up to it. I mean, if that's true, then you're a Martin Luther King, and we need to celebrate that. That, but, but, but they can't because they don't want to open the door to that becoming a tool, which needs to become a tool. And all the more important it is what you're doing. Um, what I can't figure out is, help me out here. Help me out here. If you had a Democrat governor come in after years of GOP control of a state where they had anti-sodomy laws, where they were arresting people or fining them for engaging in that behavior, I think we all know you wouldn't have 30 minutes of that guy's tenure after coming from the inaugural ball being sworn in as governor uh, with that being enforced by any state agency. Yet this, like, so I get it that Virginia is a tough state because of Northern Virginia. Let's say we were pushing, I don't know, he needs to ban all abortions at all stages. Well, you know, you can make a case that's tough politically statewide um, in Virginia. But something like this, nobody supports this at this stage. I mean, this is like a 90-10 issue at this point. What's up with that? Yeah, you're right. And I mean, to your point, the Democrats here in Virginia passed when they had control of everything. Um, you know, they legalized marijuana. And then at that point, first thing they did was dismiss charges against everybody who had marijuana charges to let them out of jail, which makes sense, yep. right? You passed the, passed the law that yeah. it's legal now, so everybody being prosecuted for it, hey, you're free to go. Um, and it just it just makes sense. So when he got rid of all of these COVID mandates, the prosecution on me should have at the very least stopped at that point, right? But they didn't. And he did nothing, nothing at all, nothing at all to ensure that that was the case. And he can't say that he didn't know about it because I've got proof of me reaching out to his office on multiple occasions to let him know, hey, I'm still being prosecuted. I need help here. So, um, 
it just it, it baffles me too. But there's a lot of political implications that go in go into why I have not you know been helped to this point as well. So that's the other half of this. So we talked about you as the business owner, as the Sam Adams of the time. That this is exactly what we need. You got to say no. This is the only leverage we have. Um, but then there's the other half that you recognize exactly what we're talking about. That I, I love the power of your juxtaposition because I said it all the time. Virginia was kind of a you know it was a red state, and then it became a battleground, and then it really the Republican Party collapsed, and Democrats took it over. And they didn't just kind of tiptoe in there, man. We're kind of on borrowed time; it could flip back at any time. We're we're gonna be careful. They ran it, man. The way they ran California, they flooded that zone. When the minute they got the trifecta. They flooded that zone. I mean, they were like letting criminals out left and right, not just marijuana, but I mean, they had all these pro-criminal things, the parole boards and crazy, crazy transgender stuff, whatever it was. Yet here, now it went in reverse. It's trended back a little bit the other way, Republican governor, Republican House, Republican AG, lieutenant governor, and very good prospect, especially I believe this year, they could take back the Senate. But you're question is with whom they're not going to do what the democrats and we're not even asking them to do unpopular things popular things so you are running for state senate in your district and i want people to go to matt for va.com it's matt strickland normally we don't focus so much on a state senate seat for a national audience but this is so important given what you did given the pivotal uh, moment in virginia's um you know history Talk a little bit about your Senate run and what you want to do there, what you want to fight for, and why you think that's playing a role in your continued uh, persecution. Well, I'll tell you, I've never had political aspirations whatsoever. Um, I I believe politicians on both sides of the aisle are crooked, and uh, they're all about personal political gain, and I still have that thought today. The only reason I jumped in to run for state Senate is because when I first started fighting against COVID mandates back in 2020, I reached out to all of my local legislators for help. I said, Hey guys, you guys are Republicans supposed to be conservatives, you know, helping us fight against COVID mandates. I'm fighting the state. I need some help guys. And nobody reached back out to help me. Not one of them. Nobody reached out to help me until I went to court with the Virginia department of health and I beat them. Then they wanted to reach out and come take pictures with me and present me with awards. And I respectfully declined because I knew what it was about. So I started researching who these people were more and more, and I didn't like what I found. Um, because you and me both know Democrats are running this country into the ground. But what a lot of people don't realize is we have a lot of Republicans that are doing the same damn thing. And they pretend to be conservative patriots, and they ask for our vote. We give it to them. And then once they get where they're going, they forget who the hell we are. And uh, and they don't vote, and they don't they don't represent for conservative values. So I said, you know what, how do I fix this? And I came to the conclusion, the only way I fix it is uh, to run myself and, and hopefully more people who don't want to be politicians start running for these seats. Cause the only way you can crush the establishment is from the inside. So uh, I start, I started this state Senate run. And as soon as I did, I was very vocal about not only blasting these Democrats that are destroying our country. But I was also very vocal about these Republicans that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing as well. When you buck the establishment, they don't like that. And, uh, and, and they proved it to me, you know, because uh, none of the Republicans here in Virginia. And I see what's uh, going on here. I see it. It's obvious. 
Glenn Youngkin has this nice image where on the one hand, he's being kind of thrown in almost with DeSantis as a good, effective conservative, conservative governor. But, you know, obviously he doesn't want to rock the boat. He has the mindset of really the other governors. And what you're bringing up kind of really exposes this because, again, this is not even asking him to oppose the vaccines like like DeSantis is now doing. This is the lockdown punishment. I mean, this is universal. Um, now, I haven't beaten up on Glenn Youngkin just because we have in so many more conservative states even worse than Youngkin and we're not, you know, doing it properly. But but again, it doesn't mean we should just say, oh, it's Virginia. It's better we don't have a Democrat. Well, I mean, you have a Republican now and do what you can. I mean, you know, and especially on an issue that really I think is as bipartisan support at this point, at least among the populace. So you're running and you think that if you would have just been Matt Strickland, the business owner, minus the Senate run, you think this would have been taken care of? 110 percent. Um, this would have been taken care of a long time ago if I wasn't so vocal about being a candidate and fighting back against this Republican establishment. I would have gotten help a long time ago. They threw a Virginia establishment opponent in against me, and I knew that was coming, and I was okay with that. But let me let me let me tell you what just happened on Tuesday. So the the governor implemented that executive order that did nothing, and he also said I'm going to introduce legislation uh, to make sure no more businesses are prosecuted for COVID mandates. Now, this wasn't in response to my fight, and my fight only is what brought this to his attention and made him um, take this action. So he turned around and gave that piece of legislation to my opponent, who is a delegate here in Virginia, to carry, which is the biggest slap in the face. He said, hey, Matt, the legislation we're introducing because of you, I'm going to give it to your opponent to introduce to the uh, General Assembly in January. So just the biggest slap in the face. And and, and, um, and I know exactly what they're doing. And the legislation sucks because here's the reality. If it's about zeroing out what happened, the governor could do that executively. If it's about henceforward, then it's too narrow. You don't write it on COVID. You write it broadly that the state can never do this. And you make that a constitutional right in the state's constitution. But, you know, before you could go through that process, at least in the meantime, do it statutorily. Right. This should no longer be like, yeah, at this point, you know, let's let the guys uh, from COVID off the hook that, you know, were punished for opening their business. No, no, no. It must mean that the government can never give a public health order to do something like that. Because it, what we've now learned epidemiologically is either you have something like Ebola, which is isolated, and it, it, you know, you could shut down an individual business maybe that had it, but you, you, there's never a um, rationale for having a carte blanche statewide shutdown. That that's what we need to ban. And then if it is a respiratory virus that spreads everywhere, you're not going to stop it. I mean, that that's not something you, you just got to properly treat it and give people early treatment. That's what we've learned from this. So legislatively, this should never be allowed to happen again. And that's, that's again, folks, this is a big, big action item. I want you guys to push. Um, and just, just so I can get it clear here, they redrew the district. So district 27 technically is an open seat, kind of swing ish, slightly lean red. You should be able to win it in a general in a environment like this. Um, very important to win if they're going to obviously take the majority. But you're saying the one who's running is an incumbent House member, delegate member, running for the Senate seat. Yeah, exactly. And the governor 
has options to to get rid of the COVID mandate prosecution and the situation that's going on with me right now, today, without any legislation. He can fire the entire ABC board and replace them. And he knows that. He fired the the, the entire parole board here in Virginia as soon as he took over mm. because they weren't doing their job correctly. So, But he won't do that for me because he does not want to prop up my campaign run. And, uh, and, that, and that's okay. Listen, they think they are holding my campaign over my head like, hey, Matt, you got to tell this Republican line if you want to win this campaign. <laughs> but what they don't realize is this. I don't give a damn about winning a state Senate seat. I'm only running for state Senate <laughs> because there's only incompetent people running and representing me right now. My life's aspiration is not to be a state senator or any politician. I just want to run my business, grow that as big as I can, and leave a legacy to my children. Wow. So, all I'm trying to do in this process is crush the establishment and bring the nation back to the people. That's it. And if I happen to win a state Senate seat, you know, while I'm doing that, then that's just icing on the top. And I can get in the legislation, the legislator and pass legislation that is actually worth it damn. because these Republicans that are there right now, they they uh, they won't do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. And and, and I, I look forward to working with you. I have a whole list of uh, medical freedom, legislative ideas. Um, this audience will again, matt4va.com. Also, you're on Twitter at Matt, M A T T F O R V A on Twitter. Make sure to give Matt a follow. Um, before we exit here, just go back to the days where you were standing up against everything, risking, risking potentially going to jail. Um, describe the support of the neighborhood. Uh, I, are you in Fredericksburg City itself? Uh, I'm in, I mean, the address is Fredericksburg, but I'm in Spotsylvania County itself. Got it. Spotsylvania County is probably a little bit more conservative. Um, so, so you, you're saying you had support from people. People are like, not like you're, you're some sort of vector of spreading disease. Wow. You know, you're a hero. No. Yeah. I'm as soon as it became public, what I was doing at my restaurant back in 2020, the very next day, the restaurant was flooded. We had a line out the door from open to close. I couldn't keep enough food in the building. It was insane. <laughs> I mean, it got to the point where like, you know, by seven o'clock PM, I was like, Hey guys, all I have is bread left. <laughs> and, the, and, and you know what? Everybody was just so excited that somebody was taking a stand. Wow. They were like, I don't care. Give me some bread and I'll pay full price for it. I just want to be in this building and I want to shake your hand and I want to thank you for what you're, what you're doing, what you're standing up for. I just want to be a part of what's going on. And I had people coming from all across the nation. I had, I had one guy come from Iowa. And uh, and I was asking him, I said, are you, you know, are you just passing through or what? He said, nope. I came here just to meet you, shake your hand, and uh, be a part of what's going on here. And and that's what made me realize, okay, all right, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not alone. There are more people that think the way I think. And this is something that is most definitely bigger than me. And I got to make sure I continue this fight. And not only continue it, I got to make sure I win this fight, because if I don't, what that means is we're passing this fight on to the next generation, to my kids, to your kids, to your grandkids. And that's something I'm not going to let happen. It's our duty. It's our obligation to fight back against this tyrannical government right here, right now, and make sure we win. And I want to I want to say one more thing to your point. You know, when 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 legislators, when they do take over evil legislators um, and they do implement this unlawful, unconstitutional legislation, we still have power. The power never leaves the people. What we can do is what I'm doing right now. We push back. We stand up and we fight. And I hope next time more people do it because I'm the only restaurant in Virginia that, that did this. And it's easy for them to bring their full weight and full power down on one man. 
But if just 20 restaurants would have mm. stood up and did the same thing that I did, they would there would be no way that they could beat us. There's strength in numbers. So I hope to God next time this happens, because yes. it will, I hope to God more of us Americans stand together and we stand with each other and we fight back because if we do that, there'll be no way that they can ever do this again. It, let, let me put a uh, just a specific point on the very articulate point you just made. You look at this past election. On the one hand, the election kind of went to the Democrats in a lot of ways. But if you look at the polling behind it, people really disagree with them on all the issues. And, you know, there's different theories as to how that could happen and that dichotomy, whatever. But the point is, what they're doing is not popular. So everyone's like, well, you know, they have this many seats. The Democrats control that. You have that, this. There's another option. And you mentioned that there's another branch of government. And that's the people themselves. The people right. themselves are the ultimate arbiters. And if they come mm-hmm. up with something and say, you know, I, we, we all remember that month, March, April, May, whatever, 2020, every governor, mayor, county guy, garbage collector, I'm holding a press conference at 7 p.m. I flick my wrist. This is your life. This is your liberty. This is your property. In order to function in life, you have to walk around with bondage on your breathing hole. Like, what? What in the world? How does that even get off the ground? We have to build a movement that this could never, ever, ever happen again, yet there's still people being punished, even in red states, even after this is repudiated. Why? A, we don't say no, and B, politically, we don't focus on the issues that matter, the leverage that matters, and we don't hold the people who at least are trying to pretend to be conservative accountable rather than treating them with kid gloves. Ooh, we need to massage them to make sure you know that, that, that the Democrat doesn't come in. No, you got to treat them like we are the masters. They work for us, not the other way around. Matt... Um, I really hope everyone goes, supports you, mattforva.com. I view this as almost like a federal Senate seat, given the importance of it. Um, Best of luck, and we really hope to hear back from you again. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. And it is very important nationwide, this seat, because state seats control federal elections, and you know that as well as I do. So this this seat right here should be very important to everybody across the nation. Absolutely. God bless you, and best of luck. So, folks, I cannot get enough of Matt Strickland. Like, he has, he was so articulate, but it was in a way that you could tell it's not like the coin line. Even some people I bring on the show myself, it's just literally an army combat veteran, business owner. This is, he doesn't give a darn. This is what it means to start a new party. Technically, he's running on the Republican ballot line. But this is that middle ground I keep talking about where we don't focus on, oh my gosh, we need to win this number of seats, R's versus D's. I don't care about that. It's the quality over the quantity. Let the rhinos work for their people. And let us never vote for them, including in a general election. We focus on our people. Our people. And he's getting a lot of pressure because he really is very dangerous to Glenn Youngkin. And I myself, I have no desire to tear down Glenn Youngkin, but we do need to move him to the right. He's done a couple of good things, but he's also been very disappointing. And I don't just mean on things that could only resonate in, you know, Idaho or Alabama. I mean things that would broadly resonate in Virginia. There's no reason for this. Nobody wants to see this happen. Everyone's done with the lockdowns, except for maybe like the 20% most extreme leftists. But everyone else is done with that, long done with that. Why is that happening? 
and we need to audit this. Why are people being denied kidney transplants? Parental rights, all this stuff. We're going to be putting this into legislation, pushing ideas. This is what distinguishes this community from every other. Again, I want you guys to go to conaction, conaction.network to sign up to be part of one of our teams. Um, also, by the way, if you want uh, patriotic merchandise, you know, T-shirts, hats, we have at shop.blazemedia.com. Um, we're having a little bit of a competition between our respective show hosts. Whose promo code does better? Mine for 20% off is Horowitz20. Um, so we need to beat the veggie burger types with red meat to show that we are the best Blaze show. 20% off with Horowitz20. Just want to say, I mean, you know, j- just to show how crazy this is, that every governor is still promoting the shots, except for... In, in Florida. And by the way, that's Youngkin too. He's done nothing to stop it. He has Marty, Ma- Marty Macri as his health advisor, and Macri's all over Twitter showing all the studies of this causing damage. Well, why aren't the policies flowing from there? Again, I mean, you could say it might not be advisable in a state like Virginia to ban abortion at all stage, stages and rape and insight. You know, maybe that's not worth spending your capital on. But a lot of this stuff... I don't want to hear this thing, well, this is the best we can do in Virginia. No. Also, he doesn't run for re-election anyway in Virginia. It's a one-term ordeal or can't be consecutive. So um, there's no reason for this. In fact, this is how you win in a state like that, focusing on these issues. But anyway, I just wanted to read this to you, just again, in terms of record deaths and record low births. The definition of a civilization genocide. Australian excess deaths. This is from news.com.au. The latest mortality data released by the Australian Bureau of Statistics last month found that there had been 128,797 deaths from January 1st to August 31st of this year, which was 17% higher than the historical average. That equates to an extra 18,671 deaths of those 10,944 were non-COVID excess deaths. Karen Cutter, an actuary of more than 25 years and spokeswoman for the Institute's COVID-19 Mortality Working Group, said 13% increase was an incredibly high number for mortality and that it was not clear what was driving it. Mortality doesn't normally vary by more than 1% to 2%, so 13% is way higher than normal levels, she said. And I would just note, first off, even the COVID deaths, that in itself is an indictment. The fact that Australia barely had any COVID deaths until everyone was vaccinated and almost all the vulnerable people had at least three shots, that in itself tells you something. So even the COVID excess deaths need to count against the vaccines. But the non-COVID excess deaths were 10,944. Again, I did the math. If you extrapolate, and and again, I understand there's reasons you can't necessarily always do this from period to period and from country to country, but listen to what I'm saying. If you multiply that, so that's eight months, by 23 months, which is as long as the shots have been around, and then multiply it by the U.S. population, you get about the equivalent of 405,000 vaccine deaths in the U.S., which is exactly where we kind of think it is now and where ethical skeptics numbers show it, where the VAERS V-safe safety data 
seems to indicate it around that 400,000 marker at this point, growing every week. So that's the death. Now, what about the births? My buddy Gato Malo, if you look up his Substack, is an amazing, amazing article. We've all seen the birth rates are plummeting everywhere, but he really did a good job on this. He looked at Sweden. The reason why Sweden's important is because Sweden is a country that really did not do lockdown. So you can't blame it on lockdown somehow causing people, you know, lower births or something, you know, changing people's behavior. They really did not change their behavior. Sweden's the perfect country where on the one hand, they really rejected lockdown, but they really did embrace the vaccines, at least until recently. And first of all, the timing he shows is perfect on that nine-month period. Sweden had a had a later take-up than the U.S. It was more like, oh, I want to say April through July. It wasn't like, you know, February, March, where, where the U.S. was. But then once it did, it was a quicker take-up. You know, more people got it than in the U.S., but it was a little bit later. And around that time in 2022 is when it started. He found a drop of 8.2% in births for the year 2022. That's more than two times the magnitude of the largest drop in the last 25 years, and that includes one anomalous year, which itself was an outlier. He says we're into four to five standard deviation territory. And that would make the, the, the um, possibility that this is due to random chance well under one-tenth of one percent likelihood. This is the loudest significant signal you could ever see. The timing, and again, this is not just voodoo. Oh, well, the timing of this, correlation, not causation. We know about ubiquitously messing up menstrual cycles, and the LNP is pro-inflammatory depositing there, and all of the studies now with it being found in the placenta and the spike protein. I mean, it all makes sense mechanistically, too. It's a piece of a puzzle, and we have all the pieces. Like I say, it would be enough to convict a criminal on with the circumstantial evidence. Yet, with this stuff, it's supposed to be guilty until proven innocent when you have safety signals like this. And yet the Republican Party has no intention of ever dealing with this. And it would be bad enough if they were done with this. But this is the opening bid in the Great Reset of vaccination. The future framework of just all the vaccines that they couldn't do in the past because they killed people. Now it's like, yes, they kill people. Now we can do it without clinical trials. Just go, go ahead and do it. Or fabricate the clinical trials. This is what we're up against. But just know it doesn't have to be this way. You have a modicum of pressure. Mixed with that, we're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to abide by your stuff policy-wise. We're going to focus on your stuff policy-wise. We're going to focus on who's screwing us. We're not going to carry water for the Republican Party. We're not going to vote for their people. We're only going to vote for our people, be it independent, be it in a primary. All of the above approach. But whatever it is, it's got to be different than what we're doing now. And any other talk show that is not focusing on this does not deserve your listenership on the other hand, I, I, I beg of you, send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives. You don't even have to be conservative. None, none of this is even right or left anymore. 
It's common sense. It's decency. It's basic humanity versus this just maniacal elite oligarch. Republicans and Democrats are cut from the same cloth. Controlled opposition. I'm going to focus like this relentlessly in the new year. Um, unfortunately, we only have another week of full broadcast left. You know, the blaze always goes off the last two weeks, but we'll we'll try to put out videos most days to compensate for it. Um, I, I do have a Rumble channel, Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary, um, that I haven't used, I guess, since last year, end of December. That's kind of when we do our, uh, you know, supplemental videos when we don't have a show. So we'll we'll let you know about that. Again, conaction.network. We especially need red state team leaders. Let us know. Tell us about yourself. Let's get this started. Till tomorrow. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening. Yeah.